Father, I pray that you would teach us what it means to seek you with all of our heart. That we may find you. That we may have intimacy with you. We desire to dine with you. Thank you for the table that is set before us. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives and in our congregation and in our community and in our nation, Lord. We pray that you'd use us to help establish and build your kingdom in this nation. But that we'd start with our homes. And we bless you and we love you and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name and we thank you for the rain. (coughs) May you come and rain upon us. Daily we pray in Jesus' name. The last few weeks we've been looking what we should be committed to. What is the first thing that we should be committed to in life? God, above everything. And I'd like to ask you, what are you mostly committed to? To fame? Money? Leisure? Pleasure? What is on, be honest with yourself. What is the thing that you're most committed to in life? What gets your greatest attention? We all agreed that first God, and then our spouse, then our wife or our husband, depending on which one you are, and then our children. Is that the order of your commitment in life? If not, I believe then we are out of line. And I think that it's very important for us to realize, and I have said it before, that a nation is only as strong as its family unit. And a family unit can only be as strong as its husband and wife. Right? That is why it's so important to make sure that God comes first in your life and then your spouse. And to have a secure marriage so that you can have a secure home. If you do not have a secure marriage, you will not have a secure home. And you know what? You will not have a secure child if you do not have a secure marriage. <coughs> so my title this morning is How to Raise Godly Children. Who of you here know how to raise godly children? I think before we carry on, I would like to lay a foundation so that we are all on the same page. Because I found, even in the church, most churches, we're not all on the same page. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a well-known question. Are you ready for the question? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Hello? Sorry? Which, who says the chicken? Put up your hand. One, two, three, four. Okay, who says the egg? Well, one of your, which one is it? You, there's four hands that come up. Please don't be lethargic. We'll try that again. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which came first, the the chicken or the egg? Who says egg? Put up your hands. Couple of you. <coughs> okay. Okay. Let me ask you a different question. Who of you believe that that um, kangaroos once roamed in the Middle East? Please put up your hands if you believe that kangaroos once roamed in the Middle East. Put up your hands, please. Who believes that? None of you. Okay, let me start from another premise. Who of you believe that the flood with Noah was a real event? Please put up your hand. 
Okay, all of you. Good, good. Who believes that the ark was a real like ship that saved the animals? Do you believe that? Do you believe that the animals went on their two by two? Right. Can I ask you, do you believe that the kangaroos were in there? Okay, can I ask you, do you believe that, it, that the ark landed somewhere in the Middle East? Please put up your hand. Okay. Ah, oh, the light's coming on. Ah, oh, can I ask the question again? Who of you believe that at some point that kangaroos lived in the Middle East? Please put up your hand. You still don't get it. Please put up your hand if you believe that. Oh, now you see. What did, I, what did we do there? You see, we have been so conditioned to believe like this, that we do not even base it. We do not believe, base our thinking and our belief system on a sure foundation. Do you, did you see that? Not one of you said that a kangaroo once lived in the Middle East. Yet when you go and you look at scripture, it must have been the case. Hello? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? On the fifth day, God created? (laughs) 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 Who who wants to drown him? (laughs) We know he's joking. Okay, so so that, that mysterious question that you have never been able to answer has now been answered, right? God created first parents and then the children came from that. Same with the chicken. First the chicken and then the egg. So what I'm trying to say is we need to get to a firm, secure foundation first. And then we base our worldview on the secure foundation. The problem is if you do not have a foundation that is secure and firm, you will think incorrectly and your conclusion will be incorrect and your life will be a shambles. This world's, most of pe- most people's worlds, most of their family, most, most of their children are in a mess because they base their philosophy, their worldview on secular thinking. They have no foundation. It's based on shamrock and it will not survive and it doesn't. Okay? And that's why we need to say, right, Lord, what is your way of raising children? Not what is the secular media, the heathenistic secular culture of our day trying to propagate and push down our throats. What does God say and what God says I submit to? Amen? Or are you going to submit to this world? Because I guarantee you if you do, you will have a, you'll, you'll mess up your children. And that is why most children in this world are messed up. Because we try and come with these clever, heathenistic, ungodly, satanistic forms of raising children. And it does not work. So, how to raise godly children. Here are ten core habits to raise godly children according to what I believe. Firstly, be committed to praying with your children daily. That to me is an absolute must. It is a non-negotiable. 
Now, some of you say, but my children are already out the house and all of this. So, and I'm not going to say, please bear with me, because you still have children that are going to have children, right? Are you making sure that your children, your children know this and that they are applying it to their children? So you might have boxed up, say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I, how can I change this? How can I change this in my children or in my children's children and help apply these principles? Okay? So firstly, be committed to praying with your children. Matthew 19, 13 to 14, very well-known scripture. It says, then the little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them, those who brought them, sorry. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. They were bringing, the disciples were bringing these little ones, and what did Jesus do? He didn't just pray for them, he laid hands on them and he prayed for them. And I would encourage you as parents to lay your hands on your children and pray for them. Daily. Do you do it? Did you do it? Or can I say, are you going to do it from here on? I want to encourage you. Make sure that you pray for your children. And if they are out of the house, you you can still pray for them. Even when they are not in your presence. Acts 21 verse 5 says, But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. All, listen to this, all the disciples and their wives and their children accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. How awesome is that? They all, as a congregation, went to the beach, said bye. But before they did that, they went, all of them, on their knees, including the children. And they prayed. How awesome is that? Hey? Now many people don't even go to church. They call themselves Christian, but they don't even go to church. They don't have a fellowship. So you'll never see that. How sad is that? And here you see families worshipping God, praying with one another, including the children. Because if they never see us praying, guess what? They will never pray. If they never see us bend our knees, in worship and adoration to God. Guess what? They will never do it. Because children do what you do. They don't do what you say. They do not do what you say. They do what you do. They mimic you. And they mimic myself. So make sure that you pray. And you pray with your children. And you pray for your children. And you take them to church. And you worship God with them. And you pray with them in the congregation. Number two. Be committed to being a godly example in all areas of your life. Genesis 18 verse 19. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So that the Lord will bring about what Abraham, for Abraham what he has promised. The Lord will bring it about on condition that he... Loves and honors and worships God. Puts him first. And I want to encourage you. Make sure that you're a godly example to your children. Guess what? If you use foul language in front of them. Guess what? They're going to use foul language as well. If you tell dirty jokes. Guess what? They will tell dirty jokes. 
If they see ungodly behavior, I guarantee you they will mimic it. What kind of example are you to your children? How do you act and react in front of your children? Who of us got some repenting to do? Let's do it right now. If you are being an ungodly example in any area of your life, you need to repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Because they will follow our example. They do it to the T. It is shocking. I often use I, I hyperboles and these kind of things. And I'll say, uh, did you see there's a million, look at all that, all of those buffaloes crossing the Serengeti and all of this. And I said, check it, all of their millions. And I, Jed will also say, and I hear him say, yes, check it, those millions. And, I, and I, you just see yourself. They repeat exactly what you say. And I want to encourage you to be a godly example in all that you do and say and in every area of your life, in your work, in your play, in, in everything. Number three, be committed to listen and talk with your children. 1 Corinthians 13.11 When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I want to just tell you, your children are not miniature adults. They are children. Do not treat them like an adult. Do not think that they are mature enough to process certain things. They are not. They are not there yet. They are not able to. Hence, that is our role and responsibility to nurture and protect and take care of them till they, they are of age that they can fend for themselves. That is why they need our guidance. They, that is why they need our godly direction in their lives. And do not abdicate that responsibility and that role. I find to, in our home, because that's how I grew up, praise God for that upbringing, is we sit around the table for a meal time when we're able to and then I say so how was your day what went on and often things will come out there that you can address and that you can speak godly truth into that situation and where you find out things that are unacceptable behavior that you can speak into and if you never do that how are you going to do it how are you going to find out? How are you going to have, if there's not that intimacy, how are they going to come forth with those kind of thing, truths that you need to hear? I heard this one, uh, this one guy sharing, and he said that this one, these kids didn't know the word for sex. So he, he, was, saying, he, he was saying to the parent, this guy is doing this to me. And they said, well, we don't talk about that kind of thing in our home. Hello? And this child ended up being raped for seven years. Because there wasn't this openness to talk. I was telling my wife another story. This guy, this guy goes to his, this girl goes to her father and says, Dad, what is sex? And he says, this is a Christian home, we don't talk about that. Hello? So, this kid went to the bus driver and said, Can you tell me what is sex? So the bus driver said, uh, Why do you ask me? Why don't you ask your father? Go to your father. No, my father says, We don't talk about that in our home. We are Christian home. So he says, I'll tell you what. I will tell you what it is. But you may not tell anyone ever. 
So she said, okay. Then he took her home after school and for seven years he shot him. He, well, he had sex with her. He taught her. Why? Because the parents were not open enough to talk about that. You need to talk about all areas and aspects of life and give them reasons for why you believe the way you do. Number four, be committed to help them to fulfill their purpose. Their purpose. Not your purpose, not your plan for them, not your destiny for them, not living out your purpose or your dreams that you weren't able to fulfill, but their purpose. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. In my life, in your life, but most importantly in your children's life. Do not try and live yourself out through your children. I have four sons, as you all are aware and know. It is an incredible challenge because all four of my sons are very different. They all like different things. They all want to do different sports and different activities. It is very difficult. The easiest thing is to just say, no, we'll all do the same thing. And you can't do that. I don't believe God wants us to do that. And one of the most challenging things is to lay a platform that your children can go into what they are called by God. And that is a challenging thing that we have to try and lay those platforms and create a foundation that is godly for them to achieve what they have called to. So I want to encourage you to help them commit to fulfill what God has purposed in their lives. Number five, be committed to study the scriptures with your children. I think this is probably one of the most the greatest shortcomings in the church today. Be committed to study the scriptures with your children. I've had my son, Kian, I think it was a year or two ago. He came to me after the service when we were going home. Well, we were, when we were going on the way home in the car, he said, "Dad, uh, how, what do you think of the service?" I said, mm, "I think it was okay." How did you feel? What did, he said, "No, it was great." This and this. He says, "Someone commented and said this and this and this." What do you think about that? So I said to him, "Oh, okay, yes. Uh, what did you think about that?" And I swung it back to him. He said, "No, I think he was talking a load of rubbish." I said, hmm, that's very interesting. I said, why? And then he carried on and told me why. I said, man, you 100%. My son was correcting someone who could be his grandpa. Hello? He said, what he was saying was a load of rubbish according to Scripture. The Bible, he said to me, the Bible says this and this and this. So he knew, you have to study the Word of God with your children so that you instill a love for God's word. If they don't have a foundation on which to base their life, they'll have no foundation. They'll have shamrock. And you'll come to incorrect conclusions as we did earlier. I'm going to read with you, with you Ephesians 4.14. Then we will no longer be tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in the deceitful scheming. How many people, or should I say, forget people, how many Christians are blown here and there, tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching? One minute they believe this, and then they believe this, and then they... Why? Because we do not say the scriptures say this, hence I believe this. What does the Bible say? 
What the Bible says, I believe it, that settles it, and that's where I base my worldview. Jeremiah 10 verse 2, it says there, this is what the Lord says, do not learn the ways of, this, of the nations. Do not learn to do things the way the world does. Or be terrified by signs in the sky, though the nations are terrified by them. <coughs> do not, there are so many people in the church learning the ways of this world now. Do you agree with me? Or is it only me that seems to believe that? Hey? <coughs> Even the church is starting to be molded by the world, and I think, what the heck? How, how are we allowing this? Psalms 1, verse 1 to 2, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of the sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. And all of you know already, <coughs> meditation is pondering over, thinking deeply. It's not this oing, 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 oing. it's none of that. Okay? It's, a, it's a mulling over so that even though you may not be able to memorize the scripture, you could relay it and say it in this. In, in it, you could basically say it in a different manner but saying the same thing. That is what meditation is. That once you have read it, once you have meditated on it, you can relay it, even if it's not verbatim, word for word, the just, the truth of it is what counts. That is meditation. And we need to study the word of God, the Bible says, day and night. Because when we study it day and night, we will not depart from it, and we will have a secure foundation, and we will live godly lives. So I want to encourage you, make sure that you study the word of God with your children. Is it easy to do that? No. Why? Because your kids, many of our kids go to school at early hours of the morning. But who comes first? God first. My commitment is first to God. Not to your schooling. Not to your education. My first commitment is to your godly character. That I have a godly descendant. Not that I have a well-educated child. And please note, I'm not anti-education. I've studied more than most people I know. And I continue to study. But I do not, do not condone and propagate studying above a relationship with God. Number six, be committed to training your child at every opportunity about God. Every opportunity that God affords you, teach them about God. Isaiah 38 verse 19 says, The living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Fathers, tell their children about your faithfulness. Do you, fathers, tell your children about God and his faithfulness to you as a family? Let me ask, in most families, who teaches the children God's ways? Hey? Sorry? The mother? The mother? Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't ask who should it meant to be. Who does it most of the time? What does the Bible say in this regard? Ah. The prime responsibility of the father is to train the children in the ways of God. Does that 
abdicate the mother's role as also coming alongside? Certainly not. I don't believe that for one second. However, it is the prime role of the father in the home. We will be judged as the men in the home. You don't believe me? Okay, Ephesians 6 verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. In other words, tease them, drive them to insanity, okay? Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Train them and instruct them. This is how it's to be done. Instruct them. Do this. Do that. Do Do you do that? Or you just say, well, let them find their own way. They are not miniature adults. God called us as fathers to train our children in the ways they should go. Psalms 78 verse 3 to 6. You'll see I'm reading a lot of scripture because that needs to be our foundation. Verse 3 to 6. What we have heard and known and what our fathers have told us. Who? Our? (coughs) Not our mothers, okay? We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation of God's goodness and his faithfulness and his kindness and his, the miracles that he's done. The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He, de- he, he decreed status for Jacob and established the laws in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. To what? To teach their children. To what? To teach their children. So that their children's children can teach their children's children. So the next generation would know them even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. And you know why this has stopped? Because parents have not done this. We are to make sure that we train and instruct our children so that they in turn will do the same. So that they in turn will do the same. The minute you stop, it takes one generation to, to, to change this. And then what happens? They become a secular, secular individual. They become a heathenistic person. They become an unbeliever. They become a child of? You're the child of God or you're the child of Satan. End of story. You either gather with me or you scatter. You're either for God or you're against God. There's no middle ground when it comes to God. And how many, how many parents, if you ask them, if I have to ask you, how do you raise a godly child? What is going to be your answer? If you don't know, what on earth are you doing having children? Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 9 is probably one of my most favorite scriptures. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them. What does impress mean? Those that do leather work know what that is, or woodwork. Eh? Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, use every opportunity to tell them about the goodness and the faithfulness and the works of God's great hand. Verse 8, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That, that is, would you call that today fanatical? Or, no, no, let me put another. Would this world today call that fanatical? Yes. Well, then be fanatical. Then God calls you to be fanatical. And if you're not, you're out of line. If I'm not, I'm out of line. 
He expects us to be fanatical, if that's what you want to call it then. Proverbs 22, 6, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Make sure that you and your wife, or you and your husband, train your children up, so that when they're older, they will not turn from it. It is, if you accomplish everything in life, and your children do not serve God, you know what you've gained? Guess what you've gained? Nothing. If you do not take your children to heaven with you, you're a poor man. You could be a billionaire or a millionaire. You're a poor, poor man. The greatest legacy that you can have is your children coming with you into God's kingdom. There's no greater joy. But on the flip side of that, there's also no greater sorrow. Let me tell you now. Number seven, be committed to discipline your children. With consistency and love. (sighs) Who believes that you should give your children a hiding from time to time when they are disobedient? Not when they make a mistake. Okay? Not when they break a glass or something. But when they choose to violate a clear rule or instruction given by the parents. Please put up your hands. I want to see. Awesome. If you believe in what's this um, time out and all this rubbish, rubbish, heathenistic, communistic philosophies, you are out of line. Proverbs 19 verse 18. Let's base our belief system on what? The scriptures, a secure foundation. Discipline your son, for in, for in there is hope. Do not be willing party to his, what? To his? Death. A lot of parents nowadays don't want to discipline their children and their children run circles around them. And they do not love and serve God. Why? Because they become party to their death. They will go to hell because you are not willing to discipline your children according to God's ways. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But a rod is there to correct them and to direct them. It's not to, there to abuse them or to kill them. It's to, there to inflict a little bit of pain that they associate wrong behavior, rebellion, disobedience with pain that they don't do it anymore. That's all. You don't have to kill your child to get them to obey you. You certainly do not have to scream at your child. You do not have to even raise your voice. In fact, when we do that, I believe we're out of line. We should never have to do that. The problem is, the reason why we raise our voice and we scream and we shout and that is because we don't do it God's way. We try our clever way. Or a way that's been taught to us by social media or these so-called clever nannies. Proverbs 23 verse 13 to 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, believe it or not, my own words, he will not die. I'm still living. I was given many a harden from my parents. Both of them, by the way, not just my father. You both raised children. Right? 
Mothers, do not say when your father, the father comes home, oh, darling, this kid did this and this. Ah, 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 ah. Don't you dare do that to me. I don't allow that. It's a load of nonsense. You're the mother, you're the father, you discipline your children. In, you agree this is the framework that we discipline our children in what? Love. Okay, not abuse. In love, so that they will not die. Okay? And they certainly will not die if you do discipline them. All four of my kids have got hidings numerous times and will continue to as long as they're in my home if they're in rebellion. And I don't care what the government says. I do not care what laws they try and put in place. I will never submit to a world's, to a man-made way of discipline when God has told me to do it this way and the world says this way. And they can put every law in place. They, they, need, to, they need to arrest me if they, they so choose. But are you going to submit to the world's way of doing things? Hello? Those children were given to me to raise, not to the state. How dare the state try and instruct me when they can't even run their own country? Yes, my love. So I, I know some parents, they smack their children until their arms tied. Yes, that is true, hey? Uh, no, you certainly do not do that. I think one or two is fine. You just want them to associate disobedience with pain. Okay? Do you have to leave these incredible blood marks? No. No. Should there be a bruise or something? Well, some people bruise easier. But should there be blood? Certainly not. And I believe that you should only smack on the bum. Not on the hand, and that, there's no padding there. It's not God gave us a padding there for a reason. Okay, it's the quickest way from there to here. And oh yes, so it eradicates folly just like that. Okay. Now you certainly do not do it in anger. You tell them I'm going to give you one, or I'm going to give you two, or depending on the severity, three. I don't think more than that's necessary. And uh, I would use a wooden spoon or something like that. Okay. Um, right, did I answer that? Uh, we're reading Proverbs 29 verse 15. Sorry, I didn't finish verse 14. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. That is not talking physical, that is talking about spiritual death. Save his soul from spiritual death. Okay. Then he carries on Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod of correction imparts what? Wisdom. In other words, it eradicates folly and imparts wisdom. But a child left to himself disgraces his mother. I've seen numerous children disgrace their mother. And I look at this and I think, yeah. Because you're, all you do is you, don't do this. If you do this, I'm going to do this. Don't do this. If you, and it just carries on. It's like a stuck records say the same thing and they never carry out what they say. And guess what? The children believe them. Mommy will never do anything. She just says the same thing. I'm going to do this if you don't do that. And never, never materialize. You threat, but you never carry out the threat. Don't do that. Kids need to know, when you've said this, this is it. You cross that line, you get disciplined. End of story. Are we all on the same page? Hello? And make sure 
that if your children are at the house, that you instruct your children if you went wrong, or if you went right, great. If you went wrong, go and tell, teach your children this, so that they can do things God's ways, because it will eradicate folly from their children and bring godly character into their lives. Number eight, be committed to tell them you love them daily and motivate them. I think children can become very demotivated nowadays because there's so much competition and bullying and all these kind of things. And they need to know in their home that they are loved, that they are worthwhile, that they are secure. Colossians 3 verse 20 to 21 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. I've told my children, if you honor and obey me, you will live a long life. Why? Because the, the one, there's one promise that if you want to live a long life, you just obey God. Do, do, his, do things His way. And He says, honor your mother and father. When my son had cancer, I said to him, my boy, you just carry on obeying your daddy and mommy and you respect us. And God will bless you with a long life, even though there's this temporary shit back in your life. Ask him. You can go ask him. He'll tell you that. So I want to encourage you. Tell your children you, you love them. Every single day. I love you. You're great. You've been called to destiny. You've been called to this, to that. And motivate them when they become discouraged. Number nine. Be committed to ensure your marriage precedes your children in priority. Why did I put that there? I believe that your children need to know that the most important thing second to God is your wife, not them. Hello? Not your children, your spouse. And in many homes, the children are more important than the spouse. Do not do that. They'll play you up against one another. I guarantee you. That I guarantee you. And they'll bring a rift there. I've seen some many a marriage split because of that. So I want to encourage you, make sure that your children know that your marriage is the most important thing. Because, remember what I shared with you last week, when you and your, your husband and wife are secure and knitted as one, and this is the second most important thing to God, okay? then come the children. They will feel secure. They will feel loved. And when this... When your husband and wife, they don't feel this, guess what? They will feel insecure. You want a secure child? Make sure you have a great marriage. You want an insecure child? Make sure you have a terrible marriage where you put your children first. They will play, they will play you guys up against one another. Ephesians 5 verse 25, Husband, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's how we to love our wives. Give ourselves up for her. And we, our children need to see it. Our children need to know that we'll do anything for our wives. When they are disrespectful and dishonoring to, to our wife, what do we do? We jump in and we say, excuse me. I've had that before. And I, and I tell my son straight, I'll take you out, my boy. Hello? And I want to encourage you, fathers, make sure that you protect your wife from abuse from your children. Do not, for one, the minute you nip it in the butt, it will never happen again. You tell them straight, you try that again, you're going to get the hiding of your life. Simple. End of story. No, then they know there's the boundary. Make sure 
that your marriage precedes your children in priority. And then lastly, be committed to talk about sex and encourage no relationships until they're ready. Is that a difficult one in this day and age? Very difficult. And I will tell you why I say that. I want to just read Malachi 2 verse 15 says, Has not the Lord made them one in flesh and in spirit they are his? And why one? Because <coughs> he was seeking what? Godly offspring. Did he say educated offspring? No. He said godly offspring. Why did he give us beauty of sex within marriage so that we could create a godly offspring not just children but a godly offspring that would love him and his kingdom above everything so guard yourself in your spirit do not break faith with the wife of your youth let me read this and then we'll end Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon's 8 verse uh, 4 daughter of Jerusalem I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. I've told my children, spoken a little bit about these matters. Ken and Samuel are literally have women throwing themselves at them. Ken already, when he was in stand at six, because he was taller than me. What's it, grade eight? Literally. Shockingly so. You can do anything you want with me, here I How's that? Can you believe it? I mean, I never even dreamt of that at my age. Hello? Literally, I've seen it. And he told me this. I've even seen it on his phone. I've read it. So it's not just he said it. I saw it on his phone. If you do not guide and direct it, where the heck do you think they're going to end up? Totally immoral. The world is, in this regard, has become Totally godless and immoral. Here it says, do not awaken love until it's time. What happens if you start too early and you awaken love before it's time? What happens? You have all these burning emotions that you are unable to control. And then what ends up happening? You fall, you burn with lust. And the Bible says, if you do, what should you do? You should get married. So if you are get into that position and you cannot get married, why did you put yourself there in the first place? Don't do it. You're unwise. Hello? So I tell my kids, if you cannot support a wife, what are you doing? Are you, is, it, is it time that you should be awakening love? No. Because you are experimenting and playing with someone else's wife. How dare you? Do you want to marry some one day some other woman that's gone through the mill of 20 other guys? Do you? Who wants that? Please put up your hand. Any man here. Not one of you will put up your hand. But we live in a society that they want to play the field. They want to play the field because we don't talk about it. We don't educate them. We don't say, what do you want? At the end of the day, what do you really want? And every single man, Every single last man wants a beautiful, pure, virgin bride. And they will never get it in this society unless we talk about sex, unless we talk about purity, unless we encourage them not to go down the road until it is time. 
And while you're in school, it is certainly not time. Did, did many of us do it? Yes. Was it with there wisdom in it? No. But unless you tell, teach and equip your children and explain the reasons, I tell you now they're going down that road. And they're going to go down there very, very quickly. So let's recap. Here are ten habits. Be committed to praying with your children. Be godly examples. Listen and talk to your children. Help them to fulfill their purpose. Study the scriptures with them. Train your children. Wherever there's an opportunity, speak about God. And always revert to God. Uh, Discipline your children. Give them a hiding when they need it. Okay? Irrespective of their age. If they willfully disobey you, then they disobey. Then they need a hiding. Tell them you love them daily and encourage and motivate them. Ensure that your marriage comes first and that they know it. Okay. And then lastly, talk about sex and encourage them not to have relationships until they are ready to pursue it. Amen. Who of you are going to raise godly children? A couple of us. Who of you are going to encourage your children to raise godly children? Do you see how easy it is to be molded by the thinking of this world? Like everyone shacks up together. So that's not what scripture says. God never condoned it. And he never will. I don't care what, who you are, what you've studied. The scripture says no. And the scripture says it for a beautiful reason. Because the greatest joy with a married couple is to find out they are pregnant. One of the greatest tragedies for a young girl that is unmarried is to find out that she's... There you go. There's the answer. Father, I thank you for every single person here. I thank you for the blessing of children. I thank you that they are such a blessing to have. Yet on the flip side, they can become a curse when we don't do it your way. It can become so hard and such a frustrating task. But that only happens when we don't do it your way. And Lord, where we have not done it your ways, we repent, we say we're sorry, and we, we will choose from today to change it and to be committed to these ten ways of raising godly children. Lord, I pray that you would bless us as parents and that you would give us the courage and the ability to raise up godly children, that you would give us the discipline to adhere and live according to your ways of doing things. I pray for grandparents here that they would encourage their children, that we would have generations upon generations that love and serve you, because we do not violate your word, and we put you first. Then we put our spouses second, and then we put our children third. Lord, we will no longer... Make a God of education and a God of sport. Forgive us where we have been so focused on that instead of being focused on raising godly children. So Lord, I pray that every one of our children and our grandchildren would love and serve and worship you because they have had godly input from all sides. I pray this in your precious Wonderful, majestic name. Amen and amen.